0: Well, good morning, saints. Good morning. On this uh, rare day of liquid sunshine yes. here in Nevada. I know I've been here six months, and uh, the rain that I have experienced is probably not enough to fill up a, a cup. In fact, I know it's not. Much different Yes, much different than Oregon, much different than Chattanooga, Tennessee, where I'm from, where it can rain, I mean, in a few minutes. Yes, buckets, buckets. Good to be with you. Today we are starting a brand new series. And the series is Jesus has no body, no hands, no feet, and no eyes but yours. We're going to, well, no. We're not going to change our focus because this series is still focused on God's character. I try to make God's character the focus of every single sermon that I preach and how that affects our personal lives. That's what it's all about. What is our mission as a people? Well, that, that, this, is, this is our vision. This is our vision. Every member a minister. Let's repeat that together. Every member a minister. Once again, every member a minister. And we've talked about our mission, why God has raised up this end time movement. And it very simply, it's to answer the question, what is God like? To reveal the character of God through our lives and through the wonderful message that God has has given us because God is so greatly misunderstood okay I want to share with you this morning an article from the Chicago Tribune about the Pacific Crest Trail have any of you ever hiked the Pacific Crest Trail okay all right good Pacific Crest Trail by any measure is a beastly thing An angry anaconda that slithers up the entire length of California and all the way to Canada, some 2,650 rugged miles. That's approximately 6 million steps. Some of them glorious, many of them merciless. And then the article goes on to talk about a husband and wife. Their last name is Softly. The softlees are trail angels. Do you know what trail angels are? Trail angels are people that help hikers who are hiking this merciless, grueling trail. Now here's what they do for them. They take them into their homes. They feed them. They provide mail service. And they help these hikers in any way possible. Now by the end of this year, my brothers and sisters, by the end of this year, the Softlees will have hosted 1,200 hikers in their home. And their home goes by the name of Hiker Heaven. They don't receive one penny for what they do. Neither do they want any financial reimbursement for what they do. The article continues, this is Donna softly speaking, she says, I always say that it's a river of life that washes up to my shore. And then the article concludes, Donna softly loves it when her sanctuary is filled with hikers. Beautiful picture. Beautiful picture of self-sacrificial love and self-sacrificial service. Just think of it. This couple opening up their homes to total strangers, feeding them, providing whatever they need. Their focus is the needs, the deeds of these hikers. Beautiful, beautiful picture of self-sacrificial love and self-sacrificial service. Now, my brothers and sisters of the Carson City Seventh-day Adventist congregation, here's where the rubber meets the road. Let me ask you a question. Should we not take our cue from the softlies? Shouldn't we take a cue from the softlies? In other words, what I'm saying... Should we not, as individuals and as a congregation in Carson City, Nevada, and affecting the surrounding area, should we not also be trail angels? Should we not also be helping our fellow human beings who are trudging along Life's grueling, merciless trail and serving them in any way that we can possibly serve them. Should we not be trail angels? Now, here's a question, rhetorical question. Do we believe? Do we really believe that Jesus the One who made up His mind, who made the free will choice to pay any cost to save us, the One who allowed His creation to torture Him, and as His creation was torturing Him, He prayed to the Father, Father, forgive them, because they don't know what they are doing. Do we really believe that this Jesus is returning soon? Do we really? Do we really, really believe that Jesus is returning soon? As an end-time movement created by God, as an end-time movement created by God, what should we be Doing. notice that I did not say what should we be saying what should we be telling even though we have something to tell and I'll come back to that in a few moments what should we be doing what should we be doing I want to propose to you that the end-time movement of God will be doing the same thing that Jesus did. I want to repeat, the end time movement of God will be doing the very same thing that Jesus did as we await the return of Jesus Christ. Now let's focus on Jesus. What exactly was Jesus doing? Between the time that he began his ministry and the time that he went back to heaven. Yes. Notice, let me share with you some scriptures. Jesus says, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, Jesus says. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be what? Your servant. He continues. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your Slave. slave. Those are not popular words in today's culture, by the way. Let him be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to Serve and to give His life a ransom for many. Amen. Do you hear what Jesus is saying? Service, service, slave, slave. John chapter thirteen, verses fourteen and fifteen. This was our scripture reading for today. Are in that upper room? And Jesus, the Son of God, the Alpha and the Omega, the God who has no beginning and no end, what does He do? He washes the feet of the creatures He's created. And Jesus says, If I then. Your Lord and Teacher have washed your feet. You also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Amen. Let's continue on. Philippians chapter 2, verse 7. Notice what it says. Notice what Paul says about Jesus. Jesus made Himself of no reputation. And He took the form of a bond-servant and came in the likeness of men. So over and over again, what was Jesus doing during His ministry? He came here to serve, to be our slave, my slave, your slave, your bond-servant. I like the way one writer puts it in a book called The Ministry of Healing. Listen to this. Our Lord Jesus Christ came to this world as the unwearied servant, unwearied servant of man's necessity. Listen to this. In every street, in every city, in every town, in every village through which He passed, He laid His hands upon the afflicted ones and healed them. All day He ministered to those who came to Him. And in the evening He gave attention to such as through the day must toil to earn a pittance for the support of their families. Listen, His life was one of constant self-sacrifice. That's Jesus This is the one that we claim to follow. And his life was characterized by constant self-sacrifice. Every moment of the day, every single day, seven days a week, he wasn't focused upon his own needs. He was focused upon the needs of others. Constant self-sacrifice. Wow. Do you see that? When it came to service, Jesus was not stingy. When it came to service, Jesus was not stingy. He was always pouring out His life, His time, His strength for others. Even from the time He was a boy, He was totally focused upon the needs of others. Others, And I propose to you, my brothers and my sisters, that the end time followers of God will do exactly the same. As we are awaiting the return of Jesus Christ, we will do exactly the same as Jesus did. Let me show you. Let me show you. Matthew twenty-four. We're all familiar with Matthew twenty-four, right? Amen. As Seventh-day Adventist. <clears throat> Matthew twenty-four. What's it all about? In Matthew twenty-four, Jesus pulls back the veil on the future, and he shows what is going to transpire on planet Earth. Until the second coming of Jesus. That's what Matthew 24 is all about. Jesus pulls back the veil and He reveals what will transpire on this blue marble of a planet up until the time that He says, it is finished. It is time. It is time. But we're not going to look at Matthew 24 today. We're going to look at Matthew 25. Matthew 25 is so very important, but we always skip it. Matthew 25, listen, Matthew 25 reveals what God's people will be doing as they await the return of Jesus Christ. Did you hear that? Matthew 25 reveals what the end-time people of God will be doing as they await the return of Jesus. And Jesus teaches what the end-time people of God will be doing through three tales. Through three tales. The tale of the ten bridesmaids, the tale of the talents, and in the tale of the sheep and the goats. Okay, we're going to focus on the last one. So let me give you a nutshell, a nutshell summary. The tale of the ten bridesmaids. What's this all about? We know the story. What's going on? Yes, there are ten bridesmaids. And they're going to the wedding. But there's a delay, right? There's a delay. And everybody falls asleep. Everybody falls asleep. But then at midnight, what happens? Awake. Oh. Your bridegroom coming. Yes, there's an announcement. The wedding is about to start. Okay? Now remember, I'm summarizing. Five are ready, five are not ready. But we often miss the point of the parable. What is the point? of the parable. What is the point? The point is in verse 13. The point is in verse 13. This is why Jesus told the parable. And it's often missed. He says, therefore... What does it say? Therefore, watch. That's the point of the parable. Therefore, watch. Watch. Why? Because you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. That's the whole point. That's why Jesus tells the story. He's saying, look, watch, watch. But what does it mean to watch? That's very nebulous. We need something concrete. And Jesus doesn't disappoint us. Because in the next parable, in the next tale, he begins to explain what he means by watching. And he tells the tale of the talents. The talents. So what's going on in this parable? The master leaves. And what does he leave his servants? Talents. Or money. He leaves one five talents one two talents and another servant he leaves one one. now what goes on the one with the five talents what does he do with the five talents yes he makes five more talents the one with two talents what does he do with his master's money he doubles it four talents however the servant who is left with only one talent what does he do He buries it. He does nothing with His talent. Nothing. And the Master comes back. The Master comes back and He is very, very happy with two of His servants, but very, very unhappy with the one who did not use His talent. Now the point of the story is The punchline of the story is this. Those who are watching, those who are watching, the end time people of God who are faithful and loyal to Jesus and are watching will be using their talents. And these talents can be symbolized can be symbolic of our money, our time, our possessions, our spiritual gifts, whatever they are. So what does it mean to watch? It means to use your talents as you wait for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But that's still too nebulous. That's still too nebulous. Because we need to ask ourselves this question. What are we supposed to use our talents for? And for whom are we to use the talents? Jesus answers these two questions in the next parable. The parable of the sheep and the goats. He reveals what we are to be doing with these talents and for whom we are to be using these talents to benefit. Okay? Are you ready? Jesus returns. Jesus returns with all of the holy angels. And what does He do? There's a great dividing. He divides the human race. On His right hand, which is the side of favor favor in the Hebrew way of thinking, are the sheep. On the left hand the goats. The goats. Notice what transpires. Notice what Jesus says. Listen to what He says to the sheep. Come you blessed of my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me into your home. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to see me. Do you hear what Jesus is teaching us? What will the end time people of God be doing as they await The return of Jesus? They will be serving. They will be using their time, their talents, their money, their possessions, everything to feed the hungry, to serve the thirsty, the stranger, the naked, the sick, to visit those who are in prison. In other words, they will be doing exactly what Jesus Because Jesus did the very same things my brothers and sisters. So I ask you, what will the end time people of God be doing? What should we be doing as we await the return of our Savior and Lord and friend Jesus? Serving. I was hungry and you gave me food, I was thirsty, and you gave me drink, I was a stranger, you took me into your home, I was naked, you clothed me, I was sick, and you visited me, I was in prison, and you came to me." In other words, we will be trail angels. We will be trail angels. We will be helping our fellow human beings as they journey along this trail called life. A grueling, merciless, often heartless trail called life. And we will be pouring out our life, our lives, our time, our gifts, our talents, our money and our possessions to serve those who are less fortunate than we are. That's what the end time movement of God should be doing. As we await the return of Jesus Christ, I find it very, very interesting that in Revelation chapter 14, verse 4, which speaks about the 144,000, one of the characteristics of the 144,000 is that they follow Jesus wherever he goes. And guess where Jesus goes? He goes to the hospitals. He goes to the streets. He goes to the alleyways. He goes to the hovels. He goes wherever there is a need and he provides that need and he serves. And the 144,000 follow the Lamb wherever he goes. They do not sit in their church buildings. No, they are out. They are out in the streets, in the alleyways, in the hovels, where there are people in need. Demonstrating the beautiful character of God to a world that desperately needs to see the truth about God. Not only hear the truth about God, but more importantly, to see the truth about God. Now it's interesting that when Jesus says this to, this to the sheep, they don't have any idea what he's talking about. They say, When, when did we do these things? To you, Jesus? Or... We don't get it. Listen to what Jesus says. Listen to what he says. Inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did it to me. Do you hear that? Jesus identifies Himself so closely with the human race that whenever we serve another human being, it's as if we are serving Jesus. He is that close to us. He is in solidarity with the human race. And when I'm serving another human being, I'm serving Jesus. That would make a difference if we could remember that, wouldn't it? Amen. We are serving Jesus. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand. We do have a message to proclaim. Alright? It's the message of the three angels. However, that's not all Jesus is asking us to do. If we do this without leaving the other undone... We are not being faithful. We are not being loyal to Jesus Christ. Let me share with you what one perceptive writer says to those who choose to neglect the hungry, the sick, the prisoner, the naked, the stranger. Listen. Christ beholds it all. And He says, It was I who was hungry and thirsty, It was I who was a stranger, it was I who was sick, it was I who was in prison. While you were feasting at your bountifully spread table, I was famishing in the hovel of the empty street. While you were at ease in your luxurious home, I had not where to lay my head. While you crowded your wardrobe with rich apparel, I was destitute. While you pursued your pleasures, I languished in prison, when you doled out the pittance of bread to the starving poor, when you gave those flimsy garments to shield them from the biting frost, did you remember that you were giving to Me, the Lord of glory, all the days of your life? I was near you in the person of these afflicted ones, but you didn't seek Me. You would not enter into fellowship with Me. I know you not. I know you not. So here's the question, my brothers and my sisters. What can I do as an individual? What can I do? Pastor Tony Brandon. What can you do, Rick? What can we do individually? And what can we do as the body of Christ? What can we do to reveal the beautiful character of God. A character that is characterized by self-sacrificial love and self-sacrificial service. What can we do? What can we do? I want to talk a a little while about the homeless in this community. We're going to choose something different each week to talk about. Do you realize there are homeless in this community? Let me share with you something from a Uh, Jim Peckham, who is the executive director for FISH, Friends in Service Helping. Do you know what he said? He said FISH last year alone in 2014. Obviously, they don't have the statistics for 2015. But last year, FISH gave 14,125 nights of shelter in Carson City alone. Did you hear that? 14,125 nights of shelter in the Carson City area. There are two homeless shelters located at the Stewart Indian School that are operated by fish. Those are filled every single night. There's not enough room for all the homeless. Let me share with you another statistic. No one knows the exact number of homeless in the Carson City area. But, there are as many as 15 possible homeless camps in this area. You know what a homeless camp is? Okay, if you go into the woods, in the coolies, and in hidden places, you will find these camps. There are possibly 15 homeless camps just in Carson City alone. Pastor Tim Madden, Seventh day Adventist pastor for the Beltsville, Maryland Seventh day Adventist Church, decided that he was going to go homeless for seven days. He was going to go homeless for seven days because he wanted to know what it was like to be homeless. Here's what Pastor Tim did he took a backpack and a tarp and a couple of changes of clothes. He took $20 and his cell phone and his car and he went to a very big city. And for seven days, he lived on the streets, he lived in a homeless shelter, he lived in his car for seven days so that he could experience what it is like to live on the streets. Now, obviously, I'm not asking any of you to do that. I haven't done it myself, so who am I to ask you to do that? But I find that very, very interesting. Maybe I should do it. Maybe I should do it. However, what he does ask his church to do is the following. They make up homeless kits in just a big, Ziploc bag. They put snacks in it, they put socks, because this is one of the complaints you hear from homeless people. We don't have shoes, and we don't have socks. So they put nice, warm, thick socks, a wash rag, and some other things in that bag. Water, just to help the homeless people. And every single member carries at least one of these homeless kits in their car. And when they see a person on the street, they will stop and offer that homeless kit to that homeless person. It may not sound like much, but that's a lot. It's a lot to that individual. So what can we do what can we do as individuals and what can we do as the body of Christ for homeless people in this area? Perhaps we could do the same. Perhaps we could do the same. Or perhaps you can make a trip to fish and talk with Jim Peckham and ask him how I can help as an individual, how I can help with a homeless problem in this area. And I'm sure that Jim would offer you any help that you may need. So you could volunteer for an organization like FISH. Okay? But when I'm thinking of the homeless, I'm not only thinking about people who are wandering the street, I'm thinking about also the orphans and the refugees. Do you realize that we are facing the largest refugee problem in the world that has happened since World War II? There are over a million refugees pouring out of Syria and other places to escape ISIS, to escape the madness and the butchery that is going on in that country. Over one million people. So what can we do even to help those refugees? There is a website. I want to bring to your attention. It's called WeWelcomeRefugees.com. WeWelcomeRefugees.com. It is a website that originates out of Europe because Europe is being flooded with refugees and they don't know what to do. Okay, they've been caught. I know this sounds crude, but they've been caught with their pants down, so to speak. And they are hurting. So what they are doing at this website, we as a church can partner with another European church in helping these refugees. We can partner with another European church to sponsor refugees... Refugees who have been vetted by the government and are not embedded terrorists or whatever, but legitimate people who are fleeing Syria. We can partner with some of these European churches and helping them to help these homeless refugees. We welcome refugees.com. Also ADRA, our own organization. ADRA, our own organization. That's just a few practical ideas, perhaps some things that we can do as the Seventh-day Adventist body of Christ here in Carson City. Alright, think about it. Pray about it. I want to share with you a little poem, a little song by Mark Pierce and Sarah Roundtree This is the theme of this series that we are going to be doing. Remember, Christ has no human body now upon the earth but yours. No hands but yours. No feet but yours. Yours, my brothers and sisters, are the eyes through which Christ's compassion has to look upon the world. And yours are the lips with which His love has to speak. Yours are the hands with which he is to bless men now, and yours the feet with which he is to go through go about doing good through his church, which is his body. We, my brothers and sisters, are the body of Christ. We are His eyes, we are His lips, we are His hands, we are His feet. We are the only Jesus that the world is going to see. And they are waiting, they are waiting to see God in us. Think about it, think about it. Jesus voluntarily left His very comfortable home in heaven. No one forced him to do that. He voluntarily left his home where all is happiness, where all is peace, where all is bliss, where all is glory. Beyond our human imagination, he left his heavenly home and he went out searching for a planet filled with homeless people. A place called Planet earth he made the choice to give up everything to give up his comfort his riches his reputation everything and he was even willing to give up his existence in order to earn our love and our trust and to woo the human race back to the heavenly mansions that He is preparing for them. Do you think that we should ask Him to give us that same type of love for the homeless in our area? To see in that homeless man, that homeless woman, Jesus, and for our hearts to be broken and to reach out and to serve that human being as if we were serving Jesus Christ Himself. Would you like to have that type of heart? I would. I would. I want to ask you. I want to ask you to come forward and let's pray that God will melt our cynical, calloused hearts and will give us the warm, throbbing heart of Jesus Christ. As we await His soon return, Let us go out and serve with all of our lives, with all of our might, with all of our strength, with all of our possessions, with all of our money, our time, our talents, our gifts, whatever. And let's go out and serve others. If you're not able to come forward, please remain seated where you are and join us in prayer. Father in heaven, these are very, very exciting times that we are are living in, but often we get caught up in time excitement. We see something happening in the news, we hear something about the Pope, whatever it is, and we lose our focus what we need to be doing as we await the soon return of Jesus. I pray, Lord, that yes, we will tell people that You are going to return soon. But how much more effective we will be if we validate our message through the way that we love people, through the way that we serve them in a self-sacrificial way. I pray that Jesus will be incarnated and reproduced in each one of our lives and that we will have His eyes for the world. We will have His heart for the world. And that in each person we will see Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that You will lead us to the homeless in this community. Help us to do whatever we can do according to the, the talents and, and the gifts that you have given to us. But may, may, may we never become calloused and cynical, but may our hearts always be soft and pliable. And this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.